to another episode of the Buckle Bomb Show. My name is Tony. I'm Bobby. Right? We fucked that up. We'll run with it. I'm Tony. He's Bobby for today. Now, my name is Bobby. That's Tony, my broadcast partner. And we are together in the same space for this show. Having a lot of fun. We're in the middle of filming CWR. Make sure you be on the lookout for that. A lot of fun. We just watched Bash at the Beach 2000. Craziness with that show. We got a little drunk, had a lot of fun. A little? <laughs> well, a lot of drunk, talked a lot of shit about the show, and pointed out some things that we actually liked about the show. It was a good time. I can't wait to get that edited together and show you guys. Another piece of business I want to talk about here, right up front. We've got, we're moving to a separate channel. So, right now, you're watching this episode on BMP Sports if you're watching on YouTube. You're watching it on BMP Sports. This is the last episode of the Buckle Bomb Show that'll be on this channel. We are moving to our own separate channel, still part of the Bomb Media Productions umbrella. Uh, It's literally going to be youtube.com slash at the Buckle Bomb Show. You can go search for it on YouTube. There's no videos on it yet, uh, but I will be posting a trailer of sorts for the show here pretty soon. And you're getting a look at the new look of the show as well. Some updated graphics because I can't stop tinkering with things. But yeah, go subscribe to that channel. You'll get the full episodes there. And we'll still be doing clip outs on the BMP Sports channel that you're watching this on now. Uh, also, I think that's that. I think that's all the stuff we got to talk about ourselves with. Excelsior. <laughs> if you are if you are listening to us, by the way. On your favorite podcast app, nothing's going to change. You're still uh, going to find us exactly where you're finding us right now. But consider checking out our YouTube video versions. Go to youtube.com slash at the Buckle Bomb Show. And youtube.com slash Bomb Media Productions will take you to BMP Sports. All right. We're going to go ahead and jump right into our first topic. We're going to talk about AEW Revolution on Sunday. We're going to run through the card and give our preview. And first, we're going to talk about uh, the first match up, uh, Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks, obviously, he had the big uh, uh, world title match with MJF not too long ago. He got pushed into a little bit of the main event scene. Uh, now he's here with Chris Jericho. Of course, there are some anti-AEW people and anti-Chris Jericho people who say once... Chris Jericho gets his hands on a rising star. They tend to get killed. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that, though. <laughs> Apparently you didn't watch the Face of the Revolution ladder match. <laughs> but uh, what do you think of this match? Are you excited for it? And who do you think is going to win? So, sadly enough, we've found out through the history of the Buckle Bomb show that I'm a little bit of the AEW mark of the group. It because started I, out that way, yeah. It started out that way. It's my ties to my love of independent pro wrestling. I mean, for God's sake, I refuse to wear the OC stuff. We're still good brothers in my household, all right? So, uh, with that being said, this is one of very little matches I'm excited for for the Revolution pay-per-view. Uh, just for the simple fact that going back to original 90s WCW, Chris Jericho still holds a very sentimental place in my heart. Uh, The man of a thousand and one holds. Um, And Ricky Starks, Jericho said it best. uh, He's the rock in training. He has that quality. He has that look. He has that persona. And when you let him go off on his own, 
he has the potential of all the greatness in the world. Um, so I'm excited to see what these two can do together because if you remember, The Rock and uh, Chris Jericho had a series of great matches back in the day. And Ricky Starks, again, has all the potential in the world to live up to that hype of the next Rock that everyone's claiming he's going to be. I mean, being the next rock, that's one heck of a mountain to uh, climb and get to. Uh, Just speaking within the business and setting aside all the things rock has done within pop culture as a whole, I can see it. He's got that charisma. He's got a look that's great. You know, if if he's going to become that big, can he do that in AEW? He might have to jump ship at some point, but... Because, let's face it, WWE has the global audience that AEW doesn't have just yet. For now. For now. <laughs> Unless the Khan family, you know, ponies up $9 billion. Well, uh, well, that'll get them some infrastructure for sure. But, you know, in this match, it's hard to say. It, it depends on how where they're going with the story. If this is going to be a series of matches which we know AEW tends not to do, I think Chris Jericho wins this match. And I think they've lightened up on some of that. We will do some return matches here and there. So I, But if it's just one and done, I really hope Ricky Starks comes out on top. So uh, let me swerve you for a bit. All right. Ricky Starks goes over. Mm Mm-hmm. But not clean. You know, the action on Jade's feud still isn't over yet. Interesting. I can see Andrade somehow causing Jericho this match. Do you think Andrade could make a return to AWTV? Well, he was on TV on Thursday. Or oh, Wednesday. was he? I completely yeah. missed that. He took two horrible spots back-to-back off a ladder. Looked like he died. Oh, geez. Horrible landing. <laughs> Rough shit to watch. Not good. Yeah, I didn't get to watch all of Dynamite. All right. We'll go ahead and move on to the next match for the AEW Women's World Championship. We've got Jamie Hayter defending it against the heel Soraya and against Ruby Soho. Uh, interesting match here with a three-way for the women's title. Love to see Ruby Soho in the uh, title picture. Uh, Soraya, of course, the huge star and the big heel right now with the turn that they've made. Uh, what do you think of this match and where do you see it going? So this match is very conflicting for me. This is, again, one of the matches I'm not really excited for on the card. I just simply do the fact that I hate this whole Tony Storm Soraya. All of a sudden, their heels out of nowhere. Like, just a flip of the die. Yeah. Like, so bizarre. I This is one of the many booking decisions that Tony Khan has come across lately. That I absolutely hate and I cannot stand. Yeah, I, it confused me too. I, I feel like I blinked and suddenly there were heels and I got whiplash. I'm like, what, what, what the hell just happened? And then all of a sudden you just turn Jamie Hayter uh, face. And then Britt Baker becomes a face along with Jamie Hayter. Which if you haven't noticed on TV, that's kind of screwed over Rebel with being with them because she was a heater for the heel persona. Uh, and in a weird way... You could argue that Britt Baker was always kind of a face, like a MJF of sorts, where you know she's the bad guy. You don't want her to come out top. That kind of, you know, despicable hero. 
what the Bullet Club has had for many, many years in Japan. So, that dynamic between both Jamie Hayter and Soraya, I love them for different reasons besides the weird heel face switch bullshit. Um, and I think this match would have been perfect as just between those two. To mm-hmm. Still, Ruby Soho in the women's division does nothing for me. I, I don't find her to be that great of a wrestler. I don't understand the hype. And I understand that I am in the minority on this 100%. Um, so do I see Ruby Soho winning? No. Could I see Soraya winning? Absolutely, but she won't. Uh, Jamie Hayter is going to retain with a Thunder Rosa return. Do you think Thunder Rosa is ready to return? There's been no indication so far. Actually, yes, there has been. I mean, we know she's doing commentary, the, the Spanish commentary, but actually in the ring return? So recently they had a meeting in the AEW locker room about the conduct that's supposed to happen with it between the women. Right. With Thunder Rosa's return. Right, but because she's kind of back there in, in the locker room and doing the Spanish commentary. I, I don't Thought. know. I think she's coming back full in ring return. All right. Um, I can actually see... Uh, you're right. Unfortunately, as much as I love Ruby Soho, I do love her. Uh, I don't think she's overrated. I don't see her winning this match. Uh, but sometimes I think that's how a sneaky heel can win. You'll have the two baby faces versus the one heel in a three-way like this, and you know maybe one of one of the baby faces will get their finish on the other, and then in comes Soraya from behind, throws out the other baby face, gets the pin, probably gets the pin. I could see Jamie Hader actually, you know, classic three-way Jamie Hader. Being about getting her finish on Ruby, then getting thrown out of the ring and Soraya pinning Ruby to win the title. The Jamie Hayter never actually lost it, but Soraya wins the match and becomes the new heel AEW Women's Champion. You know, I can, I, you know, that actually makes a good point, and there's another aspect of this that I didn't think about until right now. I think Soraya has the most experience with three ways out of all the women in this match. We're moving right past that, and we'll go into the AEW TNT Championship match. Samoa Joe will be defending against Wardlow. This is a bit of a rivalry that's kind of started hot, cooled off a little bit, and I feel like it's been a little disappointing, but I'm still excited to see the match. Uh, who do you think is going to go over here? you think uh, Samojo holds on, or does Wardlow win the TNT Championship back? So this is the weird part for me with AEW booking. Uh, this is one of the matches I'm very excited for on this card. Um, but AEW is the master of the swerve, right? They want you to believe one thing. Um, for example, Samojo cut off Wardlow's hair, an ultimate sign of disrespect. So it would only make sense for Wardlow to come back, get his revenge, and win. Uh, however, AEW has this amazing habit of making you believe something's going to go one way and last second swerve you and Joe will retain. I could see them doing that with this, but if I were to put all my hopes and my prayers in one basket, Wardlow will be on the Twitter banner for TNT. 
I think so. I think Wardlow ends up going over the dastardly heel Samoa Joe. I think Wardlow needs this. He's someone who should be a little hotter than he is. He's cooled off way too much since the uh, the big MJF feud. And he could be a star. He's got a great look. He's not bad in the ring. He's still a little green, but he's he's good. And... I'm excited to see where he goes in the future. Maybe a WWE run. Maybe a, eventually he can get to a world championship in AEW. Who knows? I could see him. I could see them at some point. If they can get Warlow hot again, you could even revisit an MJF feud, but now for the world title, if you get him back to that level of hot that he was before. Uh, but it's, it's going to take the right booking to get him there. Can Tony Khan do it? Well, that's the question. All right, uh, now we get a Texas death match. John Moxley versus Hangman Adam Page. This is an interesting match. I love this. Uh, I love the two of them together. I- I'm excited to see it. I- I- honestly, John Moxley, <laughs> I've gotten in some uh, trouble with you for saying I like Dean Ambrose better than John Moxley, which is a surprise to me as well. But John Moxley, as, as a wrestler... Well, even in the uh, all-out, the, the infamous all-out uh, scrum with CM Punk, he did talk about John Moxley, and he talked about how, hey, we do have a different philosophy on wrestling. Yeah. And some of that is Moxley likes that more hardcore stuff. He likes to go outside of the ring and some of that foo that I don't like as much. And... Here we are in a Texas death match, so we're no, we know we're going to get a lot of that with Hangman Page. This is a match I'm not so excited about just because of it being what it is with John Moxley. But it seems like a match that is right up your alley. To quote Eddie Kingston, who was just recently on talk as Jericho, I remember my friend put on ECW one day, and I saw people bleeding. I saw half-naked women. And don't forget, I was 14 at the time, so if the wind blew the right way, I was ready to roll. But this is what brought me back to my love of professional wrestling. And with that, Mr. Kingston, I have to say I agree with you. Now, can you argue that John Moxley's uh, color on television is a little over the top at times? Absolutely. John wasn't even there this week and somehow managed to have color on television this week. And, <laughs> The the guy's a master at what he does and what he's master of is blading. And let's face it. <laughs> he's going to end up with a forehead like the old classic wrestlers. We all know it. Dusty and Abdullah and all of them. New Jack. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, I did just see it was Punk, CM Punk trending on Twitter. Uh-huh. And it was, it was literally just people sharing the, the old video of the promo between Punk and Moxley where Punk goes... Hey, I'd fight you right now, but you know, it wouldn't take you that much to bleed. I don't want to get dirty here. So because <laughs> I'm afraid you're gonna bleed all over me. So you know the the irony with that is, and I, not to go too far off topic, but some of my most iconic moments with CM Punk from Ring of Honor and from AEW involve CM Punk getting color. The, sure. And from his dog collar match, the battles he had in Ring of Honor against like Nigel McGuinness. So, but but he didn't do it every time he was out there, and I think we're getting a John Moxley does it a little too much. Whereas, yeah, those were the moments, some of the best moments with CM Punk. But it's not like he was doing it every week or even every month. 
it was a blow off to a big feud and this was the moment it was the right moment to do it and now you get the color you know red equals green there you go whereas i think in this situation what you start doing it too much and then it just becomes almost expected yeah and it it doesn't actually add any value to the story or to the match so here's where it like throws me off of that because I feel like a lot of people forget John Moxley's background. John Moxley was not this foo-foo guy that came from ROH or anything like that. Actually, um, they Chris Van Vliet just uh, re-aired an insight that he did with Nick Gage. And Nick Gage opened up candidly about being on the inside when he went to prison and seeing Dean Ambrose on television because... His whole block watched Raw. Right. And he goes, hey, I know that guy. That's Mox. So if you're getting praise from a deathmatch god like Nick Gage, you know you don't come from the Hart family dungeon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. John Moxley literally had one of the best promos about the 2005 NFC East. After a Jack Daniels death match. And yes, that's exactly it it's exactly how it sounds. Like every five minutes in the match they had to do a shot of Jack Daniels, him and his opponent. Oh goodness. It was crazy. So oh, to me, John Moxley bleeding <laughs> yes, on TV sometimes it's too much. But in a Texas death match, which is right up Moxley's alley, Hangman's going over. And let me tell you why. John Moxley, I, I agree with you. Let everyone, Give me a reason. Everyone says, oh, John Moxley deserves a break. And then all of a sudden, Renee Paquette ends up as a backstage interviewer for AEW. So everyone's like, oh, that vacation's not happening anytime soon. We're done with all that. Even though John Moxley deserves some time off, he's not going to get it now that Renee's in the mix, right? But I say nay. I say they have... Plenty of other amazing backstage interviewers where Renee Paquette will not be missed one bit. And if you do, you can hear her on the sessions two times a week. (laughs) And with that, I say we're going to see Moxie go away for a little bit. Maybe uh, Hangman gets his concussion revenge angle going. Uh, Maybe. We'll see. Obviously, yes, with Moxie's upbringing, this is what he knows. This is what he's learned, how he's learned. Wrestling, he didn't come up the Ring of Honor way. He came up, yeah, the ECW, the the uh, CZW, the CZW, yeah, that 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 route. And when he was in WWE, obviously, when I when I make the joke almost that I I like Dean Ambrose better than I like John Moxley, it's because he still has those good wrestling instincts. He still knows what he's doing in the ring, but he likes to add all that stuff. In the WWE, he was sort of handcuffed with that. And so those wrestling instincts had to manifest in other ways. I think he was really good in WWE. Obviously, WWE wasn't really good for him. Fair enough. And bungled him a lot, even though he ended up being a world champion. So, but yeah, I agree with you. Hangman Page goes over here. Even if John Moxley isn't going away for a while, he was such a huge part of last year. And had such a huge spot and has such respect from everybody. 
and f- including the crowd and everything that happened after All Out. And he was the one that sort of carried the company for a while. And I, even if he's not leaving and going on that vacation, that much-deserved vacation, I, you know, I think this is a good spot to put Hangman Page, someone who hasn't had the WWE rub, someone who, yeah, he's been world champion, but it was almost, uh, that run maybe wasn't as good as it should have been, and it happened a little too late. And this is a good way to put someone over and give them maybe another push back up into the main event scene. Yeah, I agree with that. So before we move on, let me just ask you a just random question. Let's say Moxley gets that vacation. What does a John Moxley vacation look like? Like, is he going to be on the beach in, like, tropical swim trunks with a virgin Mai Tai? Because I, I just can't picture that. A little umbrella. A little umbrella drinks. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He probably whatever Renee wants to do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Which, I mean, who can blame him? Yeah. But, yeah. All right. We'll go ahead and move on to the next match we'll talk about. The AEW Trios Championship will be on the line. The Elite will be defending against House of Black. You know, I am not excited for this match at all. What say you? I love both the teams in this match. Mm-hmm. I am not excited for this match. They bungled the hype for this match so much because we had no clue that it was going to be the Elite versus the House of Black until, what was it, Rampage last week? When they yeah. came to make an entrance and the House of Black jumped them. Which, by the way, great, great image. Probably maybe one of the greatest wrestling... It's going to go in my book as one of the greatest images of wrestling history of the Elite laid out and the House of Black in the Shadows wearing those dope-ass masks they have holding the trio titles. Beautiful. But that would have been great. I don't know if it wasn't two weeks before the goddamn pay-per-view when they haven't hyped this match up one bit. You know, we talked last week about the hype for WrestleMania and how maybe some things are too late because we're like six weeks out. Mm-hmm. And I said nay to that as well. You could do a lot in six weeks, but what you cannot do a lot in... Is two weeks. Especially when you have, you only have the four pay-per-views a year, and you're a little old school, you can build up to, now you have your special dynamites and stuff like that, but you can really take your time with the story, and if you knew this is where you were going. That said, you know, the Elite, and there's hours and hours of buckle bomb footage out there of me talking about the Elite, the pros I think they have, and the cons. Uh, <laughs> in my opinion. The Tony Cones? Uh, and House of Black. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I love Malachi Black. I love, uh, uh, what's his name? Ray Ripley's Buddy. Murphy. I want to say, yeah, Buddy Murphy. I want to say Buddy Roberts. I'm like, no, that's, <laughs> that's old school. But, um. And once you get to know Brody King more, you'll love him and, as well. Yeah, I haven't seen as much of Brody King as I'd like. I like his look. He's got a great look. Good size to that guy. I like him all individually. The House of Black as a... I mean, first off, you're supposed to be this dark sort of... You know, you could say Judgment Day. This this dark kind of uh, faction... And those are always a little hard to get over. Even the ministry had its struggles with the Undertaker of all people. 
and this group, you've got someone named Buddy Murphy, of all people, as part of the House of Black, you know, maybe change his name. Uh, but I, I actually think, to be fair, I think they did change his name. I don't think it's Buddy Murphy. I'm just going off of WWE name. His name's something Murphy. It's... Uh, I it's think it's still Buddy. Buddy. I think it's Buddy. I think they changed the last name, maybe? Or is it just Murphy now? It's just Murphy it's now. Just You're Murphy right. Now. Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, Murphy is still a horrible fucking name for a satanic group. Right. But those, those are kind of hard to get over anyway. I'm not saying it's impossible, but obviously and you've had the false start sort of with Malachi Black going away for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, <sighs> the Elite just won the championships back with that God awful best of seven. I the last two matches were good. <laughs> I tapped out at that point. I don't think I even watched the last two matches. I should. I am hosting a wrestling show, but I just didn't. I didn't have the stamina. Uh, but yeah, I think the elite win this. House of Black will put on a good showing, of course, but this will be a match I'll hate because there'll be a lot of. High spots and not a lot of story, just all action. But, uh, yeah, I think the Elite continue and go on here, and I can only hope for, you know, a CM FTR running so, cons- to make me interested. Conspiracy theory time before I tell you my pick. All right. You know why I think this match happened? Why? Because I believe at Revolution it was supposed to be CM FTR versus the Elite for the trio's title. You think at some point they had that and maybe Punk just wasn't ready with the injury? I think... I will give Tony Khan this because I know I've been giving him a lot of shit lately. They claim, a lot of people claim in professional wrestling, that Tony Khan's long-term storytelling or the plans that he has... So you're saying he had this in the books mm-hmm. long before All Out. It's he was so... revolution. His long-term storytelling, they claim, is so... Far out crazy. That's... That you wouldn't believe it. He even has contingency plans in place in case somebody defects from WWE or somebody jumps ship to WWE. When you when you only have four pay-per-views, it can make that a little easier. I don't know that I believe that. Mm-hmm. But you can pencil in a match and say, okay, we want to get here in March of 2023. Right now, Punk's our champion. FTR's doing their thing. The Elite are... Trios champions as of all out before the scrum. I could see where, okay, you've got this penciled in two pay-per-views down, down the line or three pay-per-views down the line, however long it's been. And how do we get there? And we're, you know, that will make up as we go, but I can see them having things penciled in and maybe they didn't even, you know, pencil, there's an eraser. So maybe that was like an early plan. And obviously that all got blown up. But when you look at it, though, you can definitely say that the trios titles was introduced prematurely. Because how many trios do you really have? You have the best friends. You have the House of Black. You have the Triangle Death. Or Death Triangle, my apologies. Mm-hmm. You have the Elite. Did I say the best friends? JAS. I mean... No, it's factions galore in, in AEW for sure. But not enough to warrant a trio's title, in my opinion. Right there, that's just five trios. And, and you're going to base your entire division around five teams. Mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense to me. That's why it makes more sense in New Japan, because the factions are an important part of New Japan. 
uh, for Christ's sake, they have their own entrance title cards. Um, but that was a long way around to say that because this was so hastily thrown together, unless Julia Hart makes some crazy fucking Satan witch move in the match, yeah, it's pretty obvious the elite's going over here. All right. All right, up next we got the AEW World Tag Team Championship match. It's a four-way. Four tag teams. We got Scott, or uh, excuse me, Austin and Colton Gunn, the Guns, the champions, defending against the Acclaimed, against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, and against Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. Love Danhausen when he's not on AEW TV. Uh, what do you think of this match? And I mean, I think the Guns pull out the victory and continue to be champions, right? Yeah, you know, I'm right there with you because uh, it, it just has to give FTR that credence when they come back. I think what's going to yeah. end up happening is I think FTR is going to go over the Guns to finally win the AEW Tag Team Titles. Um, and you know, maybe later down the line, if they can't work out that contract agreement. You put it back on the acclaimed. Hell, at this point, and I never thought I would say this, I wouldn't be mad if it went on Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett because I think that's a hell of a tag team. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Um, I, of course. You know, admittedly, I'm a little biased because Jay Lethal was always really cool to me when I was at the Lethal Academy and Jeff Jarrett and the GCW ties. You know, so kind of biased there. But, uh... Yeah, the guns go over, no questions asked. Maybe we get a uh, daddy-ass heel turn. Do you think it might happen now? Well, there... When it didn't happen... Hear me out. So they've been... Daddy-ass has been pushing this family therapy, right? Because the acclaimed and the guns are family. Da-da-da-da-da. This is the big stage for daddy-ass to make his turn... And align with his sons because, let's face it, blood is thicker than water. Some people will say, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the guns go over. I don't want them to have that short of run. They're a hell of a tag team. Up and coming. Obviously, they've got their father, who is a great wrestler. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't see why you would put it on the guns just just to put it right back on the acclaimed. I mean, depending on the story, but I don't see that happening here. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, I'm glad, I love that they're involved in this. They rise to the level of anything. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, obviously, having just lost his dad, maybe you could see them putting a belt on him just for that, but I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Obviously, <laughs> Cassidy and Dan Housen have no shot whatsoever. Uh, yeah, the guns... The guns, uh, it's in fact, the guns will probably. I mean, you got two baby face, you got two baby face teams, two heel teams. The guns will probably win by pinning at one of Danhausen, probably, or maybe Orange Cassidy, because they're the heels and they're gonna win by somehow. You know, you can, you don't have to have Jeff Jarrett or Jay Lethal pinned here, and you don't have to have the acclaimed who are still hot. You know, take the fall. You can put it on Danhausen, who is just 
the guy who stands outside the ring and curses people. Yeah, so. but what better way to further the story of Daddy Ass turning on the acclaim than having him do something to Max Caster, most likely? If if there's a turn, then yeah, that's that's a little different. But I don't think you do a four way match like this if you're going to turn Billy Gunn here. That might happen, but I don't think it's happening here. Not not in a four way. There would be no reason to do a four way. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to the main event, an Iron Man match for the AEW World Championship. MJF defending against Brian Danielson. This is going to be a clinic. We know that. Brian Danielson, best wrestler in the world, I think, right now. I don't think there's a lot of doubt about that. Has been for probably since 2014, uh, other than the few years he was uh, forced to retire. MJF, best heel in the business. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Other than, I mean, you could you could give uh, Roman Reigns and MJF, you know, one A, one B. Holy Ray has some thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Uh, but it's obviously MJF's going to go over and he's going to do it here because I don't think you take the title off MJF yet. I hate that Brian Danielson hasn't had the AEW title because he deserves it. I'd love to see him have a run with it. I feel like they fumbled Brian Danielson a little bit here since he's been in AEW. He was he started obviously he was the big baby face, and then they turned him heel only to immediately kind of make the Black Bull Combat Club, which was kind of a tweener group for a moment, and then now they're just baby faces again. I, I feel like there was some fumbling here with Brian Danielson. Uh, but he's still hugely over. He's still, you know, the best wrestler they have, pure in ring. So this is going to be a great match. Iron Man match. It's probably not going to start until about 11.45. We're going to have fun with that. But uh, it could be huge of getting MJF over, even more over than he already is. What do you think of this match? So I'm excited for this match. Oh, yeah. And the excitement comes from not just the great in-ring action we're going to see, not just the fact that MJF has completely transformed his body. Um, you can tell he's been training for a 60-minute Ironman match. But from the promos that we got leading up to this, yeah, Brian Danielson went on national television and said he was going to stomp MJF's fucking head in That's admitting to premeditated murder. I, I don't know if any of you at home know the kind of penalty that that brings if he actually accomplishes that, but you're looking at life or a firing squad if you live in Idaho. So, with that being said, um, it brought a revigoration to Brian Danielson's character that I felt like it was much needed. Um, I thought we were going to go somewhere epic with... Blackpool Combat Club with Mox and Brian after the William Regal thing. Of course, we all know Regal wanted to go back to be with his son in WWE, which was a great choice because his son's going to be a hell of a wrestler one day. Well, he is a hell of a wrestler now. He's going to be a hell of a name in WWE one day, I should say. Um, but yeah, this revigorated Brian Danielson's career. But of course, MJF's going to go over because there is no way in hell you finally 
have MJF reach the highest peak there is and not let him retain that title. This is the first match I think MJF had since becoming champion, though, where you go, ooh, maybe. As much as we all talked about Ricky Starks here in the first match we talked about, you know, that wasn't a match where we went, ooh, maybe he could win. Or maybe Ricky could win, maybe MJF could lose. This is, this is one where we're going, mm, there's some doubt there. And, and it's partly because of the match they chose, which is obviously a, Brian, a match Brian Danielson would love to do. It's, it's a, an Iron Man match. It's a pure Ring of Honor type, you know, hardcore wrestling match. It's not a lot of foo-foo. It's, hey, we're going for an hour. No, we're going to see a lot of color. And yeah, we'll get color in this match for sure. I'm going to guess, just looking back on it now, it's going to be one, two, three, four or five matches on this card of color. If that's a bet on DraftKings, go ahead and book it now, kids. Make yourself some monies. All right. That was our AEW Revolution preview. And I'm excited for the show. Me and Tony were talking just before we hit record. Be on the lookout. We might be doing a live stream because it's on a Sunday. I'm off. We might just do it. We'll see. I think we will. So be on the lookout for that Sunday. We'll probably start the live stream 7.30. Works for me. All right. 7.30. Be here. Uh, Actually... Now, yeah, be here on BNP Sports. We'll do it on BNP Sports. So right here on the very channel you're watching this on, be on the lookout for the live stream on Sunday. All right. We're going to go ahead and move on to our next topic here. And that is the WWE Women's Championship. We had a match on Raw between Lita and Becky. They challenged Io Sky and Dakota Kai for the women's tag team titles. Trish Stratus would come out and help Lita and Becky win this match. So the titles are no longer with damage control. Lita and Becky Lynch are your tag team type championship holders with the help of a returning Trish Stratus, who we know from reports at some point was supposed to be on TV last week, but was sent home. They changed plans. She appeared this week. And what does this mean for damage control going into WrestleMania? Because we know Ronda Rousey and and uh, Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler. Sorry, forgot names again. Been a pattern here the last few weeks. Dementia, that's uh, a right? Of <sighs> Getting old. <laughs> Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. We know they uh, from backstage reports. They want to be the ones in that position uh, at WrestleMania and then to go on a run with the titles afterwards, which would make sense. Lita's not going to stick around after WrestleMania. So what does this mean, obviously, for WrestleMania? And would you look forward to a match between Ronda and Shanna versus Lita and Becky with Trish in their corner, apparently? Or maybe you get Trish Stratus versus uh, Bailey, Except... Again, what does this mean for damage control going into Mania? They dropped the ball of damage control, and I feel like we can comfortably say that now. Um, yeah. 
we were really hoping that was going to be the female version of the NWO when they first debuted at SummerSlam. And unfortunately, it has not had any glimmer of hope of being as such. I feel like they did okay with it until recently. Yeah, I even defended it a little bit when you said that a few couple of weeks ago. You said something similar. I'm like, no, they're still doing okay. I said it about a month after they debuted. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, man, it's just insane to believe that out of the three women in that ring, Becky Lynch is the third most attractive. Like, to this day. So, alluding to the backstage reports you were talking about, it's rumored that Ronda Rousey turned down the chance to take the SmackDown Women's title off of Charlotte, go into WrestleMania as the SmackDown Women's Champion, and then... Not take it off of Charlotte, that, she would, that Charlotte would have never taken it from her to begin with. And she would have held it all the way to Mania. All right, so there's conflicting reports there. Okay. But, <clears throat> long story short, it would have been... Rhea Ripley versus Ronda Rousey Mania. And Ronda turned that idea down because she is dead set on becoming the tag team, women tag team champion with Shayna Baszler. Um, I'm happy she chose that. Me too. I'm very happy because I feel like Charlotte versus Rhea is a way more entertaining match. Mm-hmm. Um, on paper, it's a more history-driven match, if you don't know. Uh, Rhea Ripley looks how she looks today because producers backstage on NXT told her she looked too much like Charlotte Flair. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Um, if you go back and look at her when she first came into NXT, oh, yeah. a very uncanny look. Uh, so they made her kind of switch it up a little bit. And, uh, of course, it made her go into the uh, form of what she is now. Speaking of Rhea Ripley, it's Buddy Matthews. Buddy Matthews. Son of a bitch. Still buddy. Yeah. All right. But, yeah, we're going to... What this basically means is uh, they're a placeholder tag team champions for now. Uh, They wanted a way... Boy, I can't even say they wanted a way to make damage control look strong because... It's it's not about that. It's about putting it on some faces. Obviously, Lita, you know, if you can get a a legend for WrestleMania that's going to get a pop, you do it. Put it on some big faces that are going to get the crowd behind them no matter what. And then you get a heel Ronda and Shayna who will defeat them and go over at Mania. Which I'm all about. I, I, again, yeah, Ronda. I think Ronda herself. I think both from a fan perspective and from Ronda's perspective. Just her constantly sort of being in the championship scene was getting a little stale. On top of the fact that Shayna Baszler is someone she's been friends with for years. They were the four horsemen of MMA. Exactly. Yeah. And Shayna's, she's had her shot here and there, and she's been kind of on the cusp of the main event scene, but never quite gotten there. And she's got a great look, and I think she's, I think she's awesome. And this might be a way to sort of get her over the hump a little bit. Uh, pairing her with Ronda with a huge star like Ronda and it might bring her up a little bit and maybe eventually Shayna can actually have a run with a world title after being a tag team champion. So I'm all about Ronda and Shayna having a run with the tag team championships. It just kind of sucks for damage control. 
My only thing with this is, is you know, again, speculation. They haven't announced that it's going to be Shayna versus Shayna and Ronda versus them at WrestleMania yet. But the odd part to me is because you know Ronda Rousey's not even on the WrestleMania poster. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg is on the WrestleMania poster. Ronda Rousey is not. Interesting. I didn't know Snoop Dogg. I didn't know anything about Snoop Dogg. Why is he on it? He was literally Saucer, just Saucer Banks is on it. Why is he on it? He was literally just doing cross bodies in AEW right. like two years ago. So <laughs> hmm. it's the Cody rub, man. Well, I could I could see maybe putting. You could ha- put EO and Dakota in the match and make it a three-way tag team match. Uh, that's certainly a possibility if you want to make sure damage control stays in the picture at the very least. And that could further a story if you still have Lita and Lynch uh, still kind of fighting with damage control in the lead-up to WrestleMania. And if you have Trish versus Bailey, I think that'd be a great match. Then you still have damage control kind of in the picture at least. Uh, and even if damage control is not where we wanted them to be, Bailey certainly still is as a as an individual and as a single. She's taken a few losses that I'm not happy about, but a big match with her and Trish Stratus at WrestleMania, and she would certainly go over there, I would imagine. So that could be huge, and maybe post-WrestleMania you can set damage control straight going into going into Backlash. We'll see. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to our next topic. Eddie Kingston, after Dynamite this week, uh, on some social media exclusive videos, says he quits AEW. And this, of course, comes out after a whole bunch of interviews he's done over the last couple of months where he seems to be trash-talking a lot of people. He doesn't have kind words to say about anyone. But that also... Seems to be Eddie Kingston's gimmick. So, shoot, work, blur the line. I love it no matter what. But uh, he's also appeared on the first Ring of Honor TV show uh, on their streaming service and uh, challenged Claudio. So it looks like, for, for the Ring of Honor World Championship, so it looks like Eddie Kingston, at least for the time being, will not be on... AEW TV, he'll be on Ring of Honor TV and their shows. What do you think of this potential news? So first off, I need to apologize to you, Bobbert. I did you dirty. Because there's an aspect to Eddie Kingston quitting that you may not have known about. At the beginning of the Face of the Lip Revolution ladder match, him and Ortiz brought the whole way to the backstage the second the match began. Right. Well, so, it was a match he came out and said he wanted no part of yep. anyway. And, you know, having Ortiz best friends. Da, da, da. But moving him to Ring of Honor, potentially. Well, maybe go ahead and read what Tony Khan said before I give you my thoughts. Uh, let's see. I'll bring that up here because I don't have that up right here. Oh, okay. Well, I can give you the Cliff Note version real quick if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. And basically, Tony Khan fucked the entire angle before it even started. Because what he said is, it's unfortunate he's not on AEW anymore, but keep your eyes peeled to New Japan and Ring of Honor. So, admittedly, not quitting AEW. Still at a Tony Khan-ran company. 
Still doing his work with New Japan that he's been doing, bridging the gap between AEW and New Japan. Almost as a AEW ambassador, I believe they were calling Eddie Kingston at one time. So Tony Khan got so fucking coked up yet again, he ruined his own goddamn angle. But here's here's Tony Khan's Tony Khan's Tony Khan's quotes. Uh, I have talked to Eddie since Wednesday, uh, since Dynamite, and I would encourage people to stay tuned to pro wrestling. Stay tuned to AEW and other forms of pro wrestling. Of course, there are a lot of exciting things happening in the sport in AEW and also and also out metaverse of pro wrestling, including New Japan and the launch of the new Ring of Honor. A lot of exciting things happening. I've had the chance to talk to Eddie about that. And I say stay tuned to wrestling to the wrestling business and you'll see what happens next. I don't think he completely wrote it there. He's like, uh, oh, stay tuned. I've talked to him. I don't think Yeah, stay tuned to other things. Stay tuned to Ring of Honor. I think we'll be able to keep him there. Stay tuned to New Japan. He'll be going over there. So even if you don't see him in AEW, we still got exciting stuff happening in AEW. So I don't I don't think he's completely ruining it, but I can see where you're saying that as well. So here's why I'm excited for this though. I know that I'm kind of your uh, liaison when it comes to independent wrestling. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, one of the most hyped gimmicks coming out of Dragon Gate USA was Cesaro versus Eddie Kingston. And that angle never got a conclusion. Because Cesaro signed with WWE. Right. And from day one, when Cesaro came into AEW... Eddie Kingston never trusted Cesaro. He was telling Moxley he's bad news. Don't hang around this clown. Yeah. They are continuing a storyline from a different promotion that's not even an operation today. I didn't even realize that. That is how long-term and how deep this feud is. I loved hearing that Eddie Kingston popped up on Ring of Honor. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I pay for so many goddamn subscription services right now. I am not purchasing Honor Club to watch Ring of Honor. Not doing it, Tony Khan. Give us some media passes. Definitely. <laughs> I'll review that shit all day. I'll watch it till Kingdom Come. I know the word Kingdom's kind of sour for you because your homeboy's about to be WWE champion in a couple weeks. But, you know, we'll review Ring of Honor then. Just not paying for another subscription right now. Not right now. I don't think I can do it either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there we go. Eddie Kingston apparently going to be Ring of Honor and New Japan exclusive for a little bit and not on AEW TV. All right. We got some quick jabs to talk about. I know you got a few. I've got one I want to talk about right off the top. Brock Lesnar. There's been a whole lot of hubbub out there about who he'll be facing at WrestleMania. You know, we thought maybe they'd do the return with Bobby Lashley, a fourth match. And it seemed like that's where it was going to go after Elimination Chamber, right? Mm -hmm. That story wasn't concluded. But we also had Bray Wyatt's going to take on the winner, which... It's going to be Bray Wyatt versus Bobby Lashley. So that where did that leave Brock Lesnar? Is he going to be involved in that match somehow? No. Apparently he's going to be fighting Omos. That's where we're at right now. Been announced. Bobby Lashley versus Omos at WrestleMania. Brock versus. Hmm? You said Bobby Lashley. Oh, did I say Bobby? Yeah, Brock. Did I say Bobby Lashley? I apologize. Brock Lesnar versus Omos for WrestleMania. What do you what do you think of that match? Do you think that's what it ends up being, or could there be another curveball thrown at us? So you know, there's that rumor going around right now. We expect a lot of twists and turns hanging in the WrestleMania. Yeah. 
It doesn't say which storyline it is, but I will guarantee you one thing. If it is Brock Lesnar versus Omos, that means one thing and one thing only. And it's my nightmare. Vince McMahon's back in control of creative and WWE. <laughs> Vince McMahon so. likes big, sweaty monsters. I don't think so. I think, I think they... Because obviously we heard the rumors about Austin. Austin Lesnar, Austin Reigns, and Austin turned all that down. And then there's, a, you know, obviously a return of Bobby Lashley or a match with Bray Wyatt. We're all, apparently all considered at one point, and for whatever reason, didn't happen. Apparently, uh, Lesnar turned down. He did not want to face Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Uh, according, again, to the news and rumors out there, this is not necessarily fact. This is just what's being reported by places like The Observer. Take it for what you will. Uh, also, Gunther at one point was considered, which I would fucking love. Take my money and make it man of that night, too. And I think a lot of people would. And I think that's why they're not doing it for Mania, because I don't think it's quite right, the right time yet. Let Gunther have his run with the IC title. Let that come to a conclusion. And then maybe at SummerSlam, we can do a Gunther-Lesnar match where Gunther can go, go over. I don't think you could put Gunther over. I mean, you could, but... I'd like to see. I don't think it's quite right, but right for that. So then, where that where does that leave Lesnar? And well, you want him against a big guy, obviously, some guy that you can see maybe having a shot. Who's left? Well, we got that big guy over there, Omos, who had a big match at WrestleMania last year against Bobby Lashley. If you build it up right, we'll see. But I'm not excited for it because I'm just not excited about Omos. So, and I don't think anyone sees Brock Lesnar losing to Omos. No. At all. So, yeah, There's got to be some other angle, right? Well, that kind of leads into my quick jab. Let's go. Uh, it's... Seen a Monday Night Raw this past week. They finally officially announced that Omos versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania is happening. Well, it's also been reported that Brock Lesnar was backstage after Raw saying goodbye to a lot of people who work backstage. As it is believed that Brock Lesnar doesn't want dick all to do with WWE if Vince McMahon is not running the show. So, where is... Kind of put your... Kind of... This proves what you just said a minute ago, though, about Omos and Brock facing each other, right? Which it does. I will admit that poo-poo's on the platter. (laughs) But the most unfortunate part of all this is we may not get that Gunther match. And what is being said, a source noted to PW Insider, that Lesnar is not necessarily done after WrestleMania. At this time, it's unknown if Lesnar's contract is coming up or if he'll just be taking an extended break from WWE. I still don't see him putting over Omos, even if he's if he is done after WrestleMania. Uh, he's not putting over Omos. I, I hate to no. say this because Lesnar's character has grown on me right? from when he was the Beast Incarnate to being Cowboy Brock. Brock Lesnar still strikes me as the most selfish motherfucker on the face of the earth, and he is not going to go out in the traditional professional wrestling way. 
That was where I was going. I disagree with you there. I don't think he comes off that way sometimes because he's standoffish. He's not a big people person. I think people talk about that. But at the same time, there's been times in the past, like, he did not want to go over The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. Mm. So, because he didn't think that was the right move at the time, even though it's kind of the reason why we have the Brock Lesnar monster that we have today. I don't think we'd have without that. It was that, and then that led into the SummerSlam John Cena match where he just squashed Cena. Um, and to be fair, there was also the footage of the last Saudi show he was backstage hyping up Logan Paul, giving him some pointers, hyping up Jake Paul, giving him some advice right. on striking. Right. So, all right, I, I'll, you know, fight it on that one. I could, I could see them pushing off a Gunther match just because, hey, we'll do that at SummerSlam. And that's when Brock will, as Vince McMahon loves to say, give back to the, biz- to the business. Brock does love Vince a lot. We know that. We know there's an issue. During a Raw, they got him back, and they talked things out, and we're all good, at least for now, and this is probably why Brock's stepping away. But Vince is huge on giving back to the business when your time is right. That's what Undertaker did for, for Brock Lesnar. You know, if, you know, especially if you listen to Vince McMahon talk about that. Yeah. So I could see where Brock would go and, hey, tri- Triple H, hey, calling up a father-in-law. Give Brock a call. Tell him to come back for SummerSlam for one last match. Mm. Guth- against Gunther, it's a match everyone wants to see. And you can give back a little bit to the business and put this guy over and make him the monster and give him that push into the world title scene. You know, honestly, out of everybody in that locker room right now, I can actually see Lesnar being okay with Gunther Mm -hmm. being the person to put him out because there's never been a singles match between Brock and Gunther. Gunther has the right size. He's believable as somebody that could actually beat Lesnar in real life. Agreed. So... Yeah, no, I can absolutely that, see that. That moment in the Royal Rumble, they teased it, and it got it got some people started standing up in the crowd. No, I know people. And it went, got people like, oh, it got a pop. People went bad shit at Cameron's. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's a match we could do. All right, what's your next one? Okay, the next one. We all know the uh, Jeff Hardy drama. The DUI case is finally over. But what's being said about his return to AEW? And the cold hard truth is, nobody fucking knows what's going on with Jeff Hardy. Tony Khan has made zero plans to bring Hardy back because he hasn't completed his uh, rehab and mm-hmm. uh, the courses that AEW imposed on Jeff Hardy when he got arrested. Um, so this week on the Being Matt Hardy, or the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast, Matt Hardy actually went in more depth about what's going on with Jeff. And the truth is, Matt doesn't even know what the hell's going on with Jeff. But believe that. Matt had one plea to his brother that if he comes back, for the love of God, quit taking the bumps. He also said that the purpose of him creating the Brother Nero character in Impact when he was broken Matt Hardy was explicitly to prevent Jeff Hardy from doing any more suicide dives. Yeah. Because if you remember the Brother Nero character, the Willow character... He was very, like, kind of grounded, almost like a zombie-ish kind of character. Mm-hmm. And 
that's literally what Matt credits to saving Jeff's end of impact career and getting him back into WWE's good graces. And meanwhile, he comes back to AEW, dances to the ring while his brother's getting beat up, and then has a match that will go down an infamy in the Buckle Bomb, early Buckle Bomb show, because you and I fought over this match, the Darby Allen match on Dynamite. And obviously the one big spot was was on... Whoop, whoop. Something you were doing, or maybe it was this. Uh, zoomed in here. Here, hold on. Let me fix it. All right. We're back. Some ghosts in the system. I don't know. Ghosts in the machine. Uh, but we were, but uh, me and Tony had a huge fight over Darby Allen and Jeff Hardy match. Obviously, that was Darby Allen taking the big bump that really got me heated in that, that I thought was unnecessary. But it was still like, okay, we got the extreme guy versus the extreme guy here, and he started. This is this is Jeff Hardy. This is this is the Jeff Hardy of old, and he started taking the big bumps again in AEW. Even though he started taking, and it was even a thing that was talked about and reported in the trades and in the in the dirt sheets about the way he does the Swanton now. He more lands directly on them rather than this kind of hitting them with the back of his neck and landing flat on his back right onto the mat. The, that was to try and protect him. We, we got that story. But, yeah, man. When you're a daredevil like that, I, I can see it being hard to give that up. And we know he's an addict, so that's probably just another addiction. All right. So, with that being said, you know, I, I, I got to point out the fucking painful irony in all of this. Jeff Hardy comes to AEW to see a 60-some-year-old Sting blowing up his spot. And if you remember <laughs> Victory Road 2010... Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Maybe that's a CWR for another time for all the unfortunate reasons. <laughs> oh, God. I've seen that. I've seen the end of that so much. I don't even know what the rest of the pay-per-view is. But, it was, meh. But, uh, all right. You have another one? All right, I would like to point out that this is hilarious because the advertisement on this article makes the article sponsored by Magpul. <laughs> if you haven't heard the news by now, Sonya Deville was recently detained in her home state of New Jersey for having a legal registered firearm in her vehicle. Unfortunately, just in the state of New Jersey, firearms are not legal. Um, but it is being noted that backstage within WWE, Sonya Deville is not experiencing any heat, and she still has all of her plans in place with the company. So if you thought she was going to miss any time for this, she's apparently not. She's apparently not. And by the way, congratulations to Sonya Deville as well for getting married. Married. Yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful wedding pictures. They did an awesome mm-hmm. spread in People magazine. We're sounding like a gossip rag now, but hell, people deserve happiness, and it looks like she found it. All right. Uh, any other quick jabs? I got two more. Two more. This was announced by Sports Skeeter earlier today. Two Gay Games has officially ditched their plans to make Bray Wyatt DLC. And they're just actually. Don't know what's going on there. But go ahead and continue talking. <laughs> I'm a rave mode over here. 2K Games has officially ended their plans to make Bray Wyatt DLC, and they're just actually putting him in the original version of the game. 
which if you're a video game fan like myself, you will agree DLC is highway robbery and the person who invented it should get chlamydia so bad it rots their brain. Uh, so that's exciting news as Bray Wyatt hasn't been a playable character in a WWE 2K game since the critically panned 2K20, yeah. where he was a DLC character in that as well. Um, so, which, of course, 2K20 came out in 2020, so it's been three years. 2019. Uh... Because at that time, they were oh, yeah. doing it yeah, towards yeah. the end of the yeah, year, yeah, November. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, and final news, Cocaine Tony is back at it again, using more major announcements for 2023. Bobby, if you had to put your hopes and your prayers into one basket in this world, what would you hope Tony Khan's major announcements are? Well, as announcements go, I would hope for a... I would hope for a an extension for FTR because I think their best work has been in as much as I'd like to see them on the bigger stage of WWE. I think WWE is just not a tag team wrestling place, even under Triple H. There's been no Absolutely. change in that. I don't think. Um, certainly, if WWE wanted to change that, then FTR might be the team you could build around to do that. But. I have no faith in WWE doing that. I would like to see FTR stay in AEW and continue to wrestle in New Japan and to do the house show circuit, uh, the house show uh, circuit. Excuse me, that AEW starting up. I think they'd love that. They love go out and going out to wrestle. They they've on, they're on this break and they've been talking for the last month about man, I miss wrestling. So and talking about hey, if they say come back early, we'll come back early. So. I'd love to see an extension with them. Uh, obviously, I'd love it because I'm a mark for CM Punk. I'll admit that. I'd love to see him come back. I don't think that'll be an announcement. I think that'll just be a surprise. He's going to show up one night if it happens. Uh, beyond that, obviously, I think one of the ones we know we're already getting pretty much is gonna, going to be a Forbidden Door 2. And i just like to see more of that, more cooperation among all the wrestling companies. Uh, obviously, WWE is not going to do that as, all that much. They'll have their occasional, eh, yeah, Shinsuke, you can go over to Noah and do your thing with, uh, for the retirement, retirement match for Muda. But for AEW, that's, that's a thing you'd love to see. They can, you know, maybe get back in bed with GCW, maybe not. Uh, DDT, you know, all these promotions I don't like, but all the ones I do like. New Japan and, and AAA and, and Impact. And they, they had a working relationship before. I'd love I loved to see that be rekindled. So uh, what ones would you like to hear? So my hopes and my prayers are actually something that's quite plausible if you listen to any dirt sheet at this point in time. Um, I'd like to see cooperation between AEW and WWE. Um, I would like to see it under a different kind of circumstance, though. What's the circumstance? I would like to see... There's only two frontrunners right now to buy WWE. That's the Saudi Royal Family and the Cons. You gotta take the lesser of the two evils in that. They're not the frontrunners. Yes, they are. 
They're the last two left in the bidding. Actually, I don't even know why I didn't put that in our uh, quick jabs. But hey, news. Um, I'm not sure I buy that. But my hopes and my prayers would be, though, that he would let Triple H, John Michaels, Road Doug, Nick Khan keep doing what they're doing. Uh, because if you remember, yeah. Nick Khan said himself, the sale will be finalized by April. What happens in April? Kenny Omega's contract is up with AEW. Mm. You want to really put that fucking swerve on things? Have Kenny Omega show up on Monday Night Raw. Don't announce anything. Don't go public with the AEW purchase of WWE. Just have Kenny Omega oh, show well, up on Raw. That, that news is going to break no matter what because there are public filings involved. True. So, but it would be you'd have to. Oh God, I wish we lived in the 90s again. But just, could you imagine the pop of Kenny Omega just showing up on Monday Night Raw? Nobody knows what the hell's going on. And then the news comes out. Mm-hmm. But uh, my hopes and my prayers would be for FTR to remain with the company. For Bendor, too. Um, if the sale of WWE is finalized, I would want to see a proper World Cup of Wrestling. Be nice. That'd be real nice. Um and that perhaps, maybe, just maybe, unity within the professional wrestling community, like maybe coming out and finally saying that, hey, we're going to go ahead and offer uh, more mental health breaks for our wrestlers. Because that seems to be a big topic lately. Mm, for sure. Couldn't agree with you more there. All right. All right, we got one last quick jab here. We just uh, stopped... The recording is recording during SmackDown, and SmackDown has now finished. And me and Tony went back and watched some of the highlights real quick. And, uh, well, really the one thing we really want to talk about is the opening to the show, which of course was the big promo with Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. What fantastic stuff that was. Tony, your thoughts first. My thoughts, first and foremost, is yes, it has always been a constant conversation in professional wrestling circles, not AEW or WWE, but I feel like the most important one has always been Dusty's kids versus Dusty's actual kids, much like Cody alluded to during the promo. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, hats off to Cody, heartfelt, compassionate. Um, You know, I'm sure I've talked about this before. Um... Growing up, my grandfather, huge Dusty fan, Ric Flair, Ric Flair fan, NWA fan as a whole. Right. So to me, one of the most important moments of my life being a professional wrestling fan was watching Cody win the NWA title. In my opinion, that promo that Cody just cut against Roman Reigns made it feel like winning the WWE championship is far more important than the NWA title could ever be. In that moment, yeah. Because it meant... It it means that now Cody, one of the kids, has finally achieved something that Dusty did achieve, even though he never achieved it in WWE. But he was one of the biggest stars of all time. And he was the guy for 
one of the top promotions or the top two promotions would if you want to take it to the Jim Crockett years, but even before that, he was one of the top two world champions. And, and now you've got an undisputed world champion, even though there is now AW. But yeah, it this makes it like, hey, that that has to mean that much more to Cody. And when you said heartfelt, heartfelt from Cody, I felt the same thing from Roman. Mm-hmm. A lot of his promo, I believe, was heartfelt. He's, he talks about how, I miss your father. Yeah. You know? That was great. Great stuff on both sides. You were going to say something? And not to mention, the show where Cody wins the NWA Championship from Nick Aldis. Great moment, yeah. Was referenced during Cody's promo tonight on SmackDown of mm-hmm. All In. Crazy to think about how far WWE has come to where it was, let's say, a year ago, where they wouldn't have touched anything AEW with a stick without some sort of weird repercussion. We could talk about the electric chair segment, the short-lived electric chair segment. Uh, But the reality is, is Vince would have never let something fly that was scripted to be something like that. And it was just... It's beautiful, the story they're telling. It's even more beautiful when you realize the overall ramification. The main event of WrestleMania, one of Dusty's kids versus one of Dusty's actual kids. And we're finally going to get the second conclusion on who is the better performer of the two. So let me me, uh, sidestep the actual promo itself, obviously there was the moment within there where Cody talked about all the stuff, you know, he, he set the bar and I've always raised the bar. And you set the bar and, hey, <laughs> your little indie show is never going to attract 10,000 fans, which was a Meltzer reference. And an all-in reference. He, he surpassed that bar. Him and his friends were never going to attract. Obviously, we know who he's talking about with him and his friends. And we know one of those friends, there's a lot of discussion about where he might be wrestling by the end of this year. Do you think maybe this was put in there as, hey, you just got mentioned indirectly on WWE TV. Come over here. Do you think it was any of that or it was just pure? I mean, Cody Rhodes obviously is going to have a lot to say about his promo. And... You know, do, you, do you think there was any sort of ulterior motive? Let me, let me put it this way. Was there any sort of ulterior motive? Or do you think it was just pure story and, hey, if it helps get him, great. But I could see it being a subliminal kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's still that respect between the elite and Cody. Uh, going back, of course, being the elite, they did the... Uh, I forget which wrestler it was where they threw out the nameplate. I don't think it was CM Punk. A part of me wants to say it was CM Punk. But the Elite threw away uh, CM Punk's nameplate. Um, but they tease it because Cody Rhodes' nameplate was on top. Mm-hmm. So they, oh, this is trash. And they kind of alluded to like Cody Rhodes being there. and took them off from underneath it and threw it away. Actually, I don't think it was CM Punk. Because this was when CM Punk was still in the company. Regardless. The mutual respect is still there between the elite 
Cody Rhodes. They've talked about privately yeah. in podcasts and things of that nature. Um, as let's, far- let's, let's put a pin in that right there because I think this is a good... There was a Cody Rhodes interview on some podcast or wherever. And where he talked about the differences in building up AEW. The differences between him and the Bucks and the Elite as far as their what they like from wrestling, what they want from wrestling, and the type of wrestling. And he was like, I'm old school. I'm Jim Crockett Promotions, and they're West Coast. They're pro wrestling guerrilla. And I think to a certain degree that fits the differences between you and me and our, the kind of wrestling you and I like to consume. Very much, yes. Uh, do you think... Let's, let's stick with the elite for a minute. Do you think there's... I, I believe that's true, and I think you agree. Do you believe that... I think it's obvious FTR would be like a Crockett Promotions rather than a PWG. Very much. Can you see, and obviously CM Punk, I think, would be a Crockett Promotions rather than a PWG? Disagree with that one. CM Punk's actually competed in PWG. Sure. But he's a wrestling historian, and he's, he is very much... Hell, he shared a picture with Jim Cornette, of all people, on social media this week with the, as the Hulk and... And the thing, and Jim Crockett was, or Jim Cornette, excuse me, was in the middle going, it's clobbering time. And <laughs> You know what? I'll actually but agree with you for one reason, because there's only I one I think man. that's the kind of wrestling CM Punk prefers. Not- but just to backtrack my statement for a second, I will agree with you, because there's only one man to ever make CM Punk break his uh, straight-edge lifestyle. And that was Harley Race's retirement. Yep. So, I- I'll agree with you on that. But, uh... Trying to remember where I was going with that. But, you know, there is that, oh, the elite. Can, do you think they can work a more old school NWA, Harley Race, Crockett promotion style versus the more, do you think that's within them? Do you think they would even want to do that? Or do they truly only want to do their thing? Because let's remember when Cody Rhodes was there, it was, you had, like, the roads, you had the Codyverse, right? And it was, like, almost his, his style of wrestling, and they did that. And then the Elite had their style of wrestling, and they did that. And there wasn't a whole lot of crossover. Mm. And, mm. yeah, by, by the end of Cody's run there, there was less and less and less. I mean, we're talking, like, prior to that, because when Cody was an Impact, when Cody was in Ring of Honor, when Cody was in New Japan, Cody still wrestled the same style. Oh, no, no, no. That, that's, was, that's what he wants. But I'm saying... But I'm saying, though, with that being said, like when he would tag team with the Bucks, when there was the feud between Kenny Omega and Cody, and the Bucks were torn, it almost broke the young Bucks apart. Mm-hmm. Cody never strayed, and there were times where you got to see Cody tag with people like the young Bucks, and they came up with some very in, innovative trios maneuvers that merged the two together. So I think it's very possible that... The elite wouldn't have to change their style one bit to I don't, still get yeah. over in the Crockett era. I can agree to a certain degree where, you know, if you have an FTR in the Bucks, and there's already already been a couple of those matches, and mm-hmm. we can imagine now them being even better if we ever get to another one, where 
the Bucks are still going to get their high spots in and the things they want to do. But where FTR is going to be going, oh, wait, rather than just having a high spot and then a lot of setup to the next high spot, we can have a high spot and then sort of tell a story to set up the next high spot rather than just high spot and then a bunch of stuff just to get you to the next high spot. And I think that's where the blending of the modern pro wrestling guerrilla style and the old school style can really come together to create perhaps the next big style in wrestling. Yeah. And I think that's where we need to go is because it, old school, the, the you know, you're not going to get a Harley race Dory Funk match anymore. That's just as a main event for a world title match. That's just not going to happen. I think you're getting kind of close to that with Roman Reigns just in the way he's very methodical as a heel. But for the most part, up and down the card, you want a lot of action. You want those high spots. And we know how, you know, people's, the modern generations, you know, their attention span is not as large as it used to be. I mean, there's so many different distractions now. I can look at my phone rather than looking at the TV and all this stuff. So you need those high spots. So I can see where that style has become more popular because it's just crazy move after crazy move after crazy move. But if you're able to put it into a better, more old-school pro wrestling context, I think that can be the style that pushes pro wrestling into the future. Well, here's the um, reason why I'm sitting here scrolling on my phone. Apologies to those at home. No. I wanted to pull up for you real quick the uh, Crockett Cup 2022 brackets. Um, you realize that you had people like VSK... And Mike Knox tag teaming for the Crockett Cup. You had people like the Briscoe brothers taking mm-hmm. on the now. Hale Collins and Vic Deloosh, um could be considered in that PWG style against the Briscoe brothers, who would be very much so the uh, Crockett promotions. Okay. You had people like Dango and JTG being a tag team through the Crockett Cup. The reason why I said this. Or why I had to look that up to bring that to your attention is because I, I very much so believe that despite it's two different worlds, something we were saying in our last segment about our hopes and our dreams for AEW in the future, it's further proof that this stuff is very plausible to work together. Yes. It's, it, it, people at one point in time in life were like, you put chocolate in my peanut butter, you put peanut butter in my chocolate, and Reese Cups are the best goddamn food. Candy on the face of the planet, and you can fight me on that. I, point being is, I, I think the Elite would work well in WWE. I think Hangman, in particular, would work extremely well. Sorry, issues there with things happening. Continue. I think Hangman Page in particular would work extremely well in a WWE system. And not just because of his look or anything like that, but he, to an extent, has a very old-school moveset. 
um, maybe the buckshot's more 90s, and the 90s to an extent were a weird, dark, dark ages, if you will, in professional wrestling history. On um, the other hand, Logan Paul is doing the buckshot pretty goddamn well. No, absolutely. So. Um, but he still has other finishing moves than, you know, the buckshot. Yeah, it's more of a move that he does. It's not his finisher. And let's be honest, how cool would it be to see Logan Paul and Hangman Page just knock each other out with dual buckshots? I mean, that, that'd be a hell of an image. That'd be a big spot. Um, but I, I think they can coexist. And honestly, I, I think it's not out of hand or out of the realm of possibility to see that potentially happening sooner rather than later. I think I think that would be the way of the future for AEW is this is how you can move forward and become an even bigger competitor to WWE to get bigger ratings would be to to be able to meld those two styles more seamlessly rather than having hey here's your Brian Danielson and your FTR you know old school match and then here's your elite you know your trios match that you know, it's going to turn off a lot of the audience that you just got with the other match. So I'm being able to blend those two more seamlessly rather than having a match where, eh, a show having a dynamite, say, where half, where you maybe got some audience on a certain type of match or one type of style, and then the very next match is like, oh, this is, this is, too crazy and stupid and doesn't make any sense or it's too slow and boring and why do I care about this and be able to blend the two styles and have matches with a lot of those high spots and the super kick parties and all that stuff but have it mean a little bit more within the context of the match. Is it really fair though to say that AEW can't do that? Because look at one of the biggest no. drawing events in AEW history. The first Arthur Ashe Stadium show. What main event of that? None other than Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Absolutely. And then it was a critically hailed match. I agree. And, and Kenny Omega has shown that he can himself blend those two styles. So Clip that. Clip that. <laughs> Clip that. But, you know, when these, these, on the other hand, these trios matches have not been, in my opinion, very good. They've been a lot of high spots and a lot of action with not really a lot of consequence. It's just been big spot after big spot after five super kicks at once after big spot. So it's, I, I, yeah. Right back to what we were saying. I think you got to blend, blend, blend the styles together, and I think you could have the style of the future, and I think AEW would be the perfect place to start that trend. And then now, all of a sudden, AEW is a trendsetter in wrestling, and WWE might be trying to catch up a little bit. So let me ask you a question, because I wanted to ask you this on the show, because like I said, just finished before I got here, and talk is Jericho with Eddie Kingston and Dan Lambert about mm-hmm. belts and wrestling history. Where do you feel like a wrestler like Nick Gage lies? Is he more PWG or is he more Jim Crockett promotions? Be honest. From a... He's more PWG and not necessarily... He's not obviously not the high flyer, the, the, the crazy mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's the... It's, again, the kind of hardcore match 
as we've talked about this before, and I, again, I think there's a blending of styles there. You can have a really great, fantastic, hardcore match. But if it's, again, if it's just a spot fest, if it's just a lot of blood and crazy thumbtacks and table spots and all this stuff for no reason, if it's just a spot and then set up for the next spot and then the spot, and again and again and again, just high spot after high spot after high spot, there's no, you're just trying to stay up here and you really want the roller coaster, you want the ups and downs of a story in wrestling, and you, you can do that in a proper context with with a more old-school, quote-unquote, Crockett promotion style, if, if that's where we're going, where you can blend, again, blend two things together, and you can have that, you can have the crazy high spots, but blend in more of a, a story and a little bit of this and that, and tie together and then again i we joke a lot about how i fucking fucking gcw that goddamn shit that you love i've never watched a gcw show and I, i'm sure and i haven't watched a lot of nick gage matches because that that sort of that style in of itself turns me off because that's what i expect i expect a young bucks match. No, I expect that it's just high spot after high so, spot after high spot. It's just glass tube after table after chair. Hold on, hold on. I'm not done mind you fucking I mean? yet. I'm not done mind fucking yet. Is Nick Gage more ECW or more WCW? ECW. Okay. How many ECW documentaries have you watched in your life? Documentaries. Yeah. You know what? As I'm as I'm going through this, ECW versus WCW. Obviously, we just watched Bash at the Beach yeah. and that hardcore match. Love Norman Smiley. That was garbage as a match being put together. How much? And was- ECW is known for that hardcore style. At okay. the same time, right. you had your on, your Eddie Guerrero. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Benoit's. How mind. Oh, that's definitely picking up on the mic. Thank <laughs> right, you, going. How mind fucked would you be if I told you Paul Heyman took the ultra violence of ECW from an idea strictly from Southern Territory wrestling in the seventies? I wouldn't be mind fucked at all. That so would sound very Paul Heyman to me. Why is it that someone like Nick Gage couldn't be more Jim Crockett than PG, PWG? Because it's taking the wrong lessons. It's saying, hey, red equals green, so let's have more red. No, you got to do it at the right time. That's what we were talking about earlier with Moxley versus Punk. Meanwhile, fucking Cornette was the originator of wearing all white to get fucking over. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, again, that was it wasn't like it was done every week yeah. or every month. It was... It was the conclusion to a giant feud that has lasted for that long, and now we're going to get the blood. Or, alternatively, if you're a heel and the baby face with Blade to start a feud off, or, you know, you get a, a cage door crashed under your head. Oh, no! And, you know, the, the heel would come away with a lot of heat, and that could kick off or push a feud to a new, new level. So, you know what I want you to do, Bobby? Or Sunday. Do a little pre-show. Your mission, 
is to listen to like the first 10 minutes of Insight with Chris Van Vliet in his interview he did with Nick Gage. I think you'll be extremely surprised about how much of a Nick Gage fan you become. Oh, Look, I'm not saying he's a bad person. Like I've actually no, enjoyed. Like I've 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 watched over since uh, it, its return after Brawl Out. I've watched uh, Being the Elite. Now I hate the fucking stupid comedy segments. Yeah, no, They're the garbage. stupid comedy sections. I skip over them. The 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 fucking. They actually used to be really good uh, back in the day before AEW. <laughs> but I I can I can enjoy because it humanizes them a little bit. I can I enjoy like. The segments of them like shoe shopping and all this, just the fucking bucks being the bucks and Christopher Daniels and all that. And Never pay retail. <laughs> and it's just them being people, you know, and them in their lives. And they're, they seem like good, cool people and down to earth and whatever. And sometimes Omega shows up. It's, it's, I don't hate that. I don't hate the Young Bucks or Omega. I just don't like their style of wrestling that they prefer. And that's what it comes down to. I don't hate anybody, but. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not Jim Cornette. I'm not going to hate on these people because I don't like the way wrestling the way they like it. That's just, that's dumb. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's 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 not the way I want wrestling to be. But the, I'm one guy. It's whatever. So, and I think there's more people out there like you than you think. Sure. I mean, all you have to do is scroll down the Twitter timeline to see you're not alone, and you wish you were alone all at the same time. But right, yeah, no, there's that. <laughs> Alright, so we've gone down this whole rabbit hole of where wrestling should go in the future. Do we have any other quick gaps? I mean, I think we have two that we could talk about now that we're on the topic of it. And these two just kind of piggyback off of each other. Uh, If anybody watched the sessions with Renee Paquette this week, her special guest was Kenny Omega. He said, what happened at All Out? It's a shame that there's a lot of details that can never be publicly made. Uh, to this day, he still has. It's he legally cannot contact either Ace Steel yeah. or CM Punk, and uh, he said that he's also very upset with himself that he embarrassed AEW like that. To piggyback off of that, Britt Baker said that it was a fucking embarrassment for AEW when it happened, and it was, and it was absolutely. But uh, even more interesting came out in like a little rinky dink interview. I forget what the publication was, but it was picked up on a lot of different analysts this week. That uh, Kenny Omega actually admits that he has conversations frequently with Triple H. Wow. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the, cool Renee Paquette actually asked him during the sessions what the deal was with his contract, and he was very coy about it, but he was also wearing a throwback WWF t shirt. During the interview. So uh, she asked if it was subliminal and he said, or subliminal, and he said, you'll just have to stay tuned to find out. I wouldn't put it past Omega. He's obviously it. Because as a pro wrestler, hey, let's kayfabe him, you know? Listen, he was wearing a chick magnet shirt when we were all speculating CM Punk was coming to the company. Mm-hmm. I mean. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's. Who knows what's going to happen there? He probably doesn't even fully know yet. I'm sure he's like, hey, I'd love to make a run in that company. He's not getting any younger. So, we'll see. Uh, as far as the comments from both him and Britt about All Out, I, I don't think anyone disagrees. No. Uh, 
obviously Kenny can't go into detail. Britt was a little more interesting just because she seemed to be, even though she didn't mention his name specifically, and that was almost a thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it was, you know, she was like very much, that was an embarrassment. You shouldn't, you know, specifically, you know, when you're in a press conference like that at a scrum, you should be more about the company. And, I, and again, I don't think anyone really disagrees. No. Obviously, that made a little bit more news and headlines because obviously Britt Baker was someone CM Punk was a fan of and made yeah. it very clear he was a fan of. He was so, actually the reason why MJF was removed from the pillars of AEW and replaced with Britt Baker. Right, in that famous promo. So literally, in Punk's first promo, the first person he mentioned in AEW was Britt Baker. So, in his big return on Rampage. So... You know, that, that made it a little more interesting. But again, I don't think she's saying anything anyone disagrees with. Probably even Punk himself, to a certain degree. Yeah. So, Do you think it's better for the future of wrestling that it's going down this way where we will never actually know the truth? Do I think it's better? I don't think it has a whole lot of... I don't think it matters all that much to the future of pro wrestling. It mattered a lot for that moment and for that locker room. Um, to the future of wrestling, as far as do we need to know what happened or not, I, I don't think so. And eventually, you know, contracts and things and legal stuff, they'll eventually, you know, time out or whatever. And we might get a story in a podcast, you know, 20 years from now. that'll Someone will talk about it. On the all-new Art of Wrestling 2.0? Uh, but, and, and again, of course, it's pro wrestling. So anytime you get a wrestler talking about something, you always got to go, well, A, are they kayfaving me? And B, are they going into business for themselves and trying to put themselves over in a situation where maybe they weren't, you know, so... Because that's what wrestlers do. And look at the history of Sean Oliver's, you know, kayfabe commentaries and all that stuff. You, you always get wrestlers on two sides of things, and they tell two very different stories sometimes. And what's real, what's not? Are they kayfabing you and trying? You know, we get that with Seth Rollins right now when, when people ask him about CM Punk, right? And I'm not saying he was lying about that stuff, but... You know, hey, if CM Punk may come back to the company, who do you think he's going to be paired with first? Seth Rollins. So that's a natural thing there. Hey, let me let me talk some shit. If nothing ever comes of it, okay. It gets my name in the news because CM Punk is always trending. <laughs> and if... CM Punk eventually does come back to WWE. Now we've got a natural rivalry here because we've got this history in the in the wrestling media. So I'm not saying Rollins was kayfaving, but you know it, it, it was at least a part of it, right? So I, I personally think it is better for wrestling future, and here's why: because okay. we will never actually know the outcome for now of what really happened that night. No, but. The wrestlers are all nipping it in the butt the best way possible by all agreeing on the same thing that it is absolutely embarrassing. Yeah. 
Agreed. Which is why I was just trying to look up something else, and the first name of the fictional character escaped me. You said Sean Oliver, and this was the first click this clip I watched <laughs> ever. Uh-oh. Young Rock. Oh, uh, Frost. Yeah, I know his last name is Frost. But... Forgive my cat screaming from the other room. Go quiet down in a minute. Go ahead. It, it boils down to, though, what we were just talking about of, you know, backstage things that maybe should never come to light unless you can actually say the complete story. Mm-hmm. Because now there's just always speculation. We know this Frost character was never on the WWF roster. Um, the sleeveless Canadian tuxedo is very reminiscent of what one Michael Hickenbottom was wearing at the time. Mm-hmm. Ghost in the machine again. Yeah, it just keeps going. Um, but it's things like that that also perpetuate the factor of maybe there are some things that are just better left unsaid in the long run. If that, that's the point I was trying to make. Wow, Jack, he's really crying. You were going to town, homeboy. He's like, I have been in here too long. And Jesus, the going crazy. I don't know why it's doing it. It zooms in and out. But, uh, all right. Any other topics? No, that's about it for my end. How about you? Got anything? I think I'm good here. We're going to go out with Jack crying here in the background, uh, desperately wanting attention. But that'll do it for this episode of the Buckle Bomb Show. Remember, this is the last episode that will be on this channel, on BMP Sports. Next week, the full episode will be dropping on YouTube.com slash at... The Buckle Bomb Show. It's its own separate channel. Just search for The Buckle Bomb Show on YouTube. Find the channel by itself. Full episodes will be dropping on that channel. Clip outs will still be dropping here on BMP Sports. So make sure you take, uh, check out that and go subscribe over there for the full, for the full episodes. Uh, if you're listening, again, on the podcast, nothing's changing. You don't have to worry about anything. You can continue to listen and find us exactly where you are right now. Uh, but... Consider subscribing to the video. Tony? If you are watching on the uh, podcast outlets, go ahead and rate us. For the love of God, so we can get some subscribers and we can actually get paid to do this. That'd be nice. Hit hit the like button, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Five star! uh, Try watching for a little bit. That's another one. But hey, Tony? Bobby? Seeing you in person. What are we doing now? This is so weird. We just fucking touched. What the shit? Oh, man. What a a fun show. The preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Productions.